welcome to the Court of Three podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Breedlove, and I get to do this podcast with my wife, Lisa. Lisa's a little bit out of town this week. She is at her happy place, the beach, and I'm here at the house with my daughter, Lizzie, for a little daddy-daughter week. It's only been one day, and she and I have already been out to eat. We've been shopping, and we even got to go see Top Gun Maverick on the big screen. Great, great movie. For you Top Gun fans, you're going to love it. So, on to the podcast. Today's episode is special, as I have the honor to introduce you to my good friend, Jerry Ediger. Jerry is a husband, a father, a brother, a Bible teacher. He's also the associate pastor of a local church in Athens, Georgia. He's a leader, and he's one of the most joy-filled human beings that I have personally ever met or known. Jerry grew up on a farm in Nebraska and loved to play football. On November the 18th, 1983, during the fall of Jerry's senior year of high school, his life drastically changed forever during a championship football game. See, Jerry went in to make a tackle, and when he did, he broke his neck at the C4 and C5 vertebrae, paralyzing him from the neck down. It is a day that for most of us, we would consider that to be a very bad day. We would question God. We would be angry at God. We would be sad. But not for Jerry. No, Jerry says that that day was to be one of the best days of his life. Jerry went on to graduate from his high school class and then graduated from Columbia Bible College in South Carolina. He's married to Amy, his wife of 24 years, and they have two kids, Ben and Maggie. After we recorded the podcast, Jerry sent me a text to clarify something that he said about Amy in our conversation. He had referred to Amy as a servant, but what he wanted everybody to understand is that Jerry deeply loves his wife and says that she is an incredible servant of the Lord and that he never sees her as his personal servant. I'm going to tell you, Jerry's joy and his faith is attractive and infectious. I pray that you are encouraged and blown away by Jerry's joy and faith and that it goes viral in your own life. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Jerry Ediger. Well, Jerry, it is so good to have you on mine and Lisa's podcast, the Court of Three podcast. And, uh, man, I have been looking forward to this day to be able to interview you and uh, and share our friendship, you know, with uh, people in, in, in mine and Lisa's network of friends and family that extends beyond uh, how we're connected through Westminster Christian Academy. And so, uh, so Jerry, you know, getting started, really just tell us a little bit about 
who is Jerry Ediger? And like, I mean, like, you know, where are you from? Talk about your family growing up, your family today, and any information you've got, you know, from a, uh, from a spiritual standpoint, you know, your spiritual background, your spiritual heritage uh, during your growing up years. You know, talk a little bit about who you are. Wow, Spencer, I'm so grateful uh, for for your friendship, and uh, I feel like we'd be way better off if I was asking you these questions and hearing from you. Uh, that's what I think would be the the way better deal. But uh, I really am thankful for your ministry, thankful for uh, you and Lisa and your kids, and just the ministry you guys have. That's for sure. Um, we grew up uh, in Nebraska. Um, and I think there's only 1.6 million of us in that whole state, uh, at one time. And it is, uh, a great place. At least we had a great time growing up. My mom and dad loved the Lord Jesus. They were as plain as you could be. You talk about just ordinary faithfulness day in and day out. Uh, you'll like this as a sports guy, Spencer, but I just feel like they ran the fullback up the middle. You know, it was three yards four yards, three yards, two yards, minus four yards sometimes. Mm. But uh, they would just pound the rock, if you will, day in and day out for the Lord Jesus in a quiet but just impacting way. And so we definitely got to uh, see Christianity lived out in a very uh, attractive way day in and day out. My mom just would serve relentlessly. I think we joked, my brothers and I, that uh, she had the gift of serving, and then we really helped her hone those gifts by being very servable for uh, years on end. And just an amazing uh, lady, but if anyone met her, you would say this is just a ordinary um, uh, lady, and but just incredible, and prayed. Prayed relentlessly for uh, for all of us for kids later on for grandkids and um certainly the lord's using that she went to heaven three years ago um dad went to heaven eight years ago was just very fun loving grew up on the farm i helped him uh farm all my growing up days and so did my brothers two brothers uh a um he made the teaching of our savior very attractive i get emotional as i talk about either of them probably because uh they just uh, Dad would um, represent the Lord so well. Um, he did. We did have devotions every night. He'd shut off the TV, and and we would um, he'd read uh, the Bible and the daily bread, and we would all turn around and kneel on the couch or chair wherever we were sitting and and uh, pray. And I I get a kick out of this, Spencer, because everybody's prayer was uh, so muffled. I never knew exactly what anybody prayed because of where we were praying at in the living room. But it was, uh, certainly I knew we were being prayed for, um, well, continually for sure by mom, but then every night in as a family. And uh, that and back to me, you know what? I think a lot of my love for the word probably grew out of that. I love my dad. My dad loved the word. And so I love the word. I think it's kind of how that ended up working. And uh, my brothers, two of my best friends, uh, my older brother's crazy, generous, he still lives in Nebraska, uh, just a remarkable guy. Um, my younger brother and I get to work together, Mike. Um, uh, godly, I'm not, I, I think we all want to be um, 
in heaven when we see the Lord reward Mike just for his incredible ministry to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that might be more than what you're asking for there, but the uh, Lord blessed me with an extraordinary help. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine anybody had a better growing up days than, than I had. It was a joy day in and day out. I came to love and know the Lord as just a little guy. I don't really remember ever not really loving him. Right. This at, you know, he just did that work on my heart. I think just regenerated me as I was a little guy. And I think maybe because of that, there hasn't really ever been um, a a reason or a temptation to doubt uh, his love or to doubt that um, uh, he had done that work in my heart. Mm. Um, And then, you know, obviously from then grew to understand his holiness better and my own sinfulness more and uh, how big the cross is. Right. Um, So we're just, we're just incredible days uh, growing up in Mennonite. We grew up in a Mennonite community. Oh, did you? Yes, sir. And uh, tight knit, uh, godly, great church, um, help each other. Very, I think you would say a humble group. Um, not showy. Uh, again, probably run the fullback up the middle would be the way I would mm. describe the whole group. Really. Yeah. Um, but um, a great, a great place to grow up. No That's doubt. awesome. My parents and me growing up too. I can definitely relate to what you're saying in regards to family and, um, and especially having a praying mama, um, mom, yeah. my mom and dad are still alive and in their late seventies right now. And, um, my, uh, my mama is a praying woman. Uh, not that my dad is not a praying, uh, man, but my mom, uh, and she learned it from my grandmother. And, wow. uh, it, and my grandmother, I, I've got a copy of when, when my grandmother passed away, uh, one of the things that I inherited was her Bible and in her Bible, there's a passage of scripture, um, that she had circled and wrote my name down right next to it. Mm. And I know that when she wrote that down, uh, there's no telling the words that she uttered or thought when mm. when she wrote my name down next to that passage of scripture, and so prayer and family and the you know the closeness there, I can definitely relate and uh, certainly um, you know am very thankful for the the spiritual influence that my parents have had. Uh, on me and my family and my own kids and uh and and what will basically trickle down to when I have uh grandkids you know yes so uh that yeah. is awesome uh to hear about about your about your family so now growing up I imagine, go ahead well I was just gonna say I imagine that I take I know I take that for granted too much or don't you think we probably can't even overestimate how much of an impact that had on on our growing up days? And I know the Lord does the work through all kinds of families. Yeah. But uh, that's I think that's invaluable. And there's nothing I would give for, uh, you know, it sounds like you, like your growing up days. Yeah, definitely. It, you can, um, 
take it for granted. You know, you can definitely take it for granted and not not express or communicate appreciation enough for the sacrifice that our parents have made for the um for the prayers that they prayed for us, you know, because sometimes we don't even know exactly what they prayed. I know that now being the father of a almost 25-year-old and a 21-year-old and a 17-year-old, I can imagine what my parents prayed specifically for me. And um, some of that was met with fear and trembling in their hearts. And yeah. some of that was probably that they would – uh, that they were probably praying that the fear of God would be put in my heart <laughs> for um, uh, maybe for the attitudes that I might have had or behaviors that I was demonstrating. And, and they were just at their wits end about, all right, what are we going to do with this kid? <laughs> you know, but, um, well, man, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that about your family. What a special heritage that that is in, in your life. And, um, and yeah, man, your brother, Mike, uh, um, uh, I love coach Ediger and, um, certainly I'm grateful for his influence right here in, on this campus at Westminster and the opportunity to have, uh, gotten to know him and, and be encouraged by him. You know, I actually have, speaking of your brother, Elizabeth's first year here, um, she was in his uh, class, in his Bible class, and he called me and left a voicemail about Elizabeth. Wow. Now, I, I normally delete voicemails and yeah. clear up my space on my, on my in my voicemail app. Well... That was going on. Well, Elizabeth will be a junior this year. She started here when she was in middle school. I still have that voicemail. Ah, Spencer, that's great. Well, everybody ought to have a Coach Edgar voicemail because the man is nothing but encouraging. Oh, man. It's got that same servant's heart that, our mom had and better yet as the Lord Jesus, you know, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, yeah. Edgar, I guess, isn't called to, to be a ransom for many, but he is called to be a living sacrifice. And I, I don't know, in my books, no one does it like he does. He's just uh, such a great um, example. He's so much fun. His sense of humor is uh, really, you know, unlike anybody else's and uh he's a man everybody needs to meet and have a voicemail from i love that well i let's put it this way i used to have like a separate voicemail system um that was not the what was native to your iphone okay and and i no longer have that service with that voicemail service i no longer have that but i kept the app so that i could keep the voicemail it's it was that encouraging and that powerful of a of a uh, encouragement to to me. I got to figure out a way how I can play it and record it onto this particular system that I've got. You know, to doing our podcast, I, I do need to do that because if I ever lost that voicemail, 
it would be one of those things that it would be a treasure gone and never to be recovered. And it, it, and you're right. Your brother is quite the encourager, and I'm very grateful for him. He's a pretty cool dude. Thankful. So, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. That's that's for sure. Now, now you, now you growing up, uh, you guys loved sports, yes, right? Sir. Absolutely. So, what were some sports that you guys were involved in? Of course, in yeah, Nebraska, Nebraska, you know, it's it's got to be football. It's got to be football. There really aren't any other sports. And, there even, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we didn't even miss it. I mean, we missed very seldom even a minute of the football game on the radio when we get out of the combine you know while we were picking corn or harvesting corn you would turn it on loud enough that you could hear it if you had to walk out of the uh, the combine so yeah we were we were definitely it was it is an idol for me still a battle but uh, certainly then um way too consumed um with football for sure just uh, and, and there were some better days. Now we have a hard time winning some games. Mm. But uh, there were good days back in the 80s and the mid-90s where uh, we were winning a few. So that, that was uh, – Those were yeah, the Tom we Osborne days. Yes, sir. Boy, they sure were in Ron Brown. And those yeah. guys made such a fun. You that, know, so many men spiritually. So it was it was great for the football. But they were really some good role models for uh, not just um, – you know, the football players, but for all Nebraskans and especially Ron Brown through his ministry through FCA has had a huge impact on yes, he has. Nebraska. That's right. And he, he loves the state and he loves the people and the people love him. It's a, it's a really neat relationship he has there. That's awesome. That's really cool. Well, so you grew up playing football, but yeah, you, sure you, did. Now. so how long, how long did you play? before you had your injury yeah no the coach said about my football playing ability he said he's small but he's slow and so i had that combination going which just meant i was really no good at football and (laughs) our team was really good at football we had a great team and uh and it was just barely 11 man a lot of people play eight man football and quite a few people play six-man football in Nebraska just because of the small towns and all the small towns have a school. So I played in seventh grade, uh, was hurt in eighth and ninth. In ninth grade, I was so little, dad wouldn't even let me go out. I just stayed home and helped harvest corn. And then so I played in 10th and 11th grade and then broke my neck on the scene on our uh, the first the opening kickoff of our senior year in the championship game, we had won. I think we went thirty-two and one or thirty-three and one in our last three years. So we were, we had good teams, and we were playing in the championship game. And just uh, I was holding for the kicker. Uh, he kicked off. I ran down the field, and uh, usually by the time I got down there, he'd been long since tackled. This time he was still going. And uh, when I hit him, uh, I definitely would have got charged for spearing uh or mm. um, penalized for that if had there been such a thing um because my head was way too far down and uh and we met really helmet to helmet and um i dislocated vertebrae c4 and c5 um by god's what i believe now was just by god's perfect providential hand that that was just the right trial that uh, that I needed, and you know, in extension that my family needed, 
to to grow to be more like Christ. And so um, certainly since then, God has used that, you know, kind of huge life changing event. Seven thirty three was the time on November 18, uh, 1983 where things changed drastically, but changed drastically for the better. No one had had better growing up days than I had as far as carefree and enjoyable. But at that moment, they were not carefree anymore, but I think they became even more enjoyable. Not even, not, not easier, far harder, but more joy packed in per minute. Uh, post injury than before injury, I think, and I don't know how to say that right, but I, but that's what I would uh, say. You know, at that point, I was paralyzed from my neck down at the beginning, mm. and then slowly started to get a little bit back. Um, and you know, my my legs work uh, just a little, not well enough to walk or anything, but they move. Um, and so, it's C four five incomplete is what my injury would be uh in that my spinal cord was not severed it was just badly bruised Hmm. and um so i did get enough back in my hands even though i'm a quadriplegic and am pretty impaired i got enough back in my hands that i can write and eat and drive recklessly (laughs) and um i'm very i have heard about i have heard about the reckless driving oh boy yeah way too many reckless driving stories and god's I mean, use that too for um, a lot of uh, a lot of good stories for sure. But but more than that, just I guess to to grow in my uh, trust and appreciation in Him. And so, a lot of times, I think Amy prays and and I drive. She's my faithful wife, and uh, she's been very good about persevering through you know quite a through quite a few trials for sure. Mm. But no, I hey. think I think you I think you painted the picture pretty clearly about you know what life was like just from a joy standpoint. I th- I think where most people will struggle with is how how can he say that when you have you, you know you, it's 1983 you're in your senior year you break your neck C4, C5, there's a bru- there's a there's a a life altering injury that you experience and you lose the use of your legs. You are now, you know, and and, and you've had to you, you've been in a wheelchair since that since that time. There's obviously surgeries and stuff that you've had to go through, therapy, you name it. I think where most people will really struggle with is how can he say that? How, how is that even possible for him to share that it got better, even though yeah. your life was totally different and totally changed life altering, physically altering. Most people are not going to comprehend that mindset they're not going to comprehend that reality of of what you just said they're going to sit people will say there's no way they're they're but they but they put themselves in that in that position and they're saying there's no way that that would be like that for me 
So yeah, what was yeah? So so what was it? Let's dive in just a little bit more on that. So after the injury in November in that championship game, and you know what happened the day after, and then the day after, and the day after, you know, just kind of the the healing process and the what you personally went through emotionally physically mentally um just kind of unpack that a little bit to get you to this place where you're able to you know what life is still full and uh, and it's still good right now so kind of unpack that a little bit well no i appreciate uh you asking that certainly um at the beginning, I was paralyzed from the neck down. And so physically, things took a long, long, long time to come back. And I think that's just normal for spinal cord injuries. Uh, you know, nothing's going to be quick on any recovery you get. And so, um, by God's grace, I, I received a lot. But I'll tell you what, Spencer, even riding the ambulance on the way to the hospital, I don't know how to say this right, certainly no mysterious or audio voice, but the Lord... Uh, I think I thought in my mind, you know what? I have had the easiest life in the history of easy lives um, to this point. But I really think now, and at that point, I didn't know to what extent the injury was, except that I just couldn't move. I thought in my mind, I really bet you through all of this, there's going to be some great opportunities to probably rely on the Lord in a different way than I've ever had to. And that was for sure. That there's no doubt about that, and I just think of, about a number of verses that we know are true that have experientially become true mm. uh, for me. Right, God's grace is sufficient; His power is made perfect in weakness. You know, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what's seen, but on what's unseen. You know, what seems temporary what's unseen is eternal, that we can rejoice in our sufferings because we know that they're going to produce perseverance and character and hope. And in James 1, that we can have pure joy in our trials, knowing that that's going to, again, give us perseverance and make us mature and complete in Christ. And you know that we really can cast our cares on him. He cares, he, he cares deeply for us. And so I think, Spencer, Romans eight twenty eight soon became just a go-to verse that all things, including this, we're going to work together for good, and we're working together for good to make me more like Jesus. Not to make me more comfortable, but to make me more Christ-like. And then anybody else that was involved, which, you know, certainly my family and then a lot of other people um, you be, you became had to be involved in how much care it took to, to make me functional. And so, boy, I cannot begin to explain how much grace God showered on there. And then it, his grace was sufficient, just like he promised. And his power has been made perfect in weakness, more than it is through strength. And, you know, certainly have a lot of weaknesses and continue to. And I think having more than ever. But uh, I have become convinced uh, that biblically— each trial is tailor-made for us. 
by our Lord Jesus, just perfectly. And so I think that was just the right trial for my uh, own sanctification and for the life of everybody in my family or everybody that's uh, ended up having to, to help me in some way or another. Um, and so he's shown that in just his daily faithfulness, minutely faithfulness to continue to take care of things, to work things together for good. Um, and again, not that anything became easier, but it certainly, I, I believe Spencer that now really I'm a hypocrite in saying this because oftentimes I'm cranky and I'm not living. <laughs> I have never life. known you to be cranky. Well, I'm sure I, you can be. My, oh yeah. No, no. I'm plenty cranky, but here's what I do believe that our joy really isn't based on our circumstances. Our joy is only based on what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And that's a done deal. What he has done on mm. the cross is not going to change. We're secure in that. He has chosen us in him before the beginning of time. And that because of that, we have so much to be excited about and so much to look forward to. And these lying momentary afflictions really are achieving for us in eternal glory that far away is them all. And so if I can keep my eyes on the eternal instead of the temporary, and that is certainly a minutely battle, then I think our joy can be based on that and not on our circumstances. You know, we have to live by faith and not by sight. And right. none of that is easy, and I fail at that daily. But I really want to grow in that because I believe it with all my heart. Right. That that that's how he that's that's how he operates. And then he has used certainly his word. All of a sudden, uh, I really had a desire to meditate in there day and night and observe to do according to all that's written there. And just knowing that that was gonna, you know, make us prosperous and successful spiritually and i needed i needed him desperately at the time and need him even worse right now all right i want to ask you this was there ever a time where you just were like why lord why me why now did you ever get angry about this and what and what happened to you yeah I don't remember, and I think this is just because of his stu supernatural grace, I don't remember there being that temptation very often. Certainly, there's been ups and downs and where I haven't had a good attitude about any of it. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But boy, there has not been a time where it's been tempting to doubt that God was really using this for good and that it wasn't a show of anything other than his love that he brought that trial at on that day. Um, and that that love has, I've experienced his love. I mean, I think tons more than I would have had I not broke my neck. And, uh, you know, besides the day that he gripped my heart when I was a little guy and the day that I married Amy and uh, then when we had our two children, I, the day I broke my neck has proved to be the next best day in my life just because of all the 
uh, I guess, sanctification that it's brought. And it's turned out to be such a good thing rather than a bad thing. So I think had things been different or had his presence not been so incredibly strong, I think there might have been that temptation to be angry about it. But because of his incredible grace, there hasn't been that temptation, I don't think. Uh, Jerry, I'm speechless. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm sitting here going, uh, you know, if if I'm in if I'm in Jerry's shoes and I'm in this situation, how how would I handle it? You know, and I consider I look back on circumstances in my own life, and and yeah, I can I can agree with that this, the trials that I've gone through personally and professionally that yeah I think they I, I would agree I think they're tailor made you know I think some of them I created myself <laughs> yeah and um right. and, and through my own uh stupidity and um and and sure. youthfulness but to but to consider a trial as something that may be tailor made by God to teach us and to strengthen us, to develop our character, to develop our hope eventually, you know, ultimately um, to strengthen and to mature and complete us so that we're not lacking anything. I, I cannot fully comprehend, and I've been a believer a long time, and I've been in ministry a long time. And to hear what you just said, I, I have a very difficult time of really wrapping my head around that. It is, it, and, and I think the reason is, is because it's very difficult for us to really grasp how wide and how deep and how strong the love of the Father is and that in his supernatural uh, power and his and his grace that is immeasurable and and to hear a person testify to that um knowing you like i know you seeing you like i've seen you um i i'm still I, i'm still just blown away uh, i i can't i can't wrap my head around it i i appreciate you saying that i think the great thing about this is it all is if i think about it it, spencer it is all too good to be true but the great thing is it is true why do we believe the word because it is true yeah and um right and it's true i guess you know it's almost a deal where we might as well believe it because it's true Mm. and and um again i have struggled big time how many times but ultimately he is god's in heaven and he does what he pleases and i'm thankful for what he pleases to do because we truly know that it is by his providential hand loving hand that uh he's gonna work uh these trials um together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose and 
Um, I'm just so thankful. You know, Spencer, he who gave us his own son, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And I think in the last probably 15 years, that might have been the verse that I needed to meditate on more than any other verse. He's given us Jesus. So he's taking care of the hardest thing and the most uh, important thing that could ever happen. Yeah. How I not believe that he's going to take care of, you know, our finances, our family, Correct. Uh, providing joy in the midst of trials, mm. all those other things. So um, he's been so faithful to do it. it. I wish I could explain um, to anybody how gracious you know, it seems like you used to pour it on with a five-gallon bucket. Now it seems like a 55-gallon drum of grace mm. every day. And uh, certainly super – I mean, that's what I would be completely amiss by saying I don't feel like I've had a choice in that joy. I feel like he's supernaturally produced it as a fruit of the Spirit um, inside. Mm. And um, – and I'm very, I'm very grateful that, uh, for that kind of grace that he would do that. You know, really kind of. You, you know, it reminds me of what I read this morning in my, in my Bible reading. I've been going through uh, the Old and New Testament. I try to read the Bible through in a year, uh, every year, and I just started into Second Samuel. And of course, you being a Bible teacher, you'll know this particular passage very well. But in uh, when when David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, and the ox that were or the oxen that were bringing it, it were carting it in, they kind of lost their balance. And um, one of the I guess it was one of the priests uh, held his hand up and touched the Ark, and it angered God and. And the Bible says that God struck him down and killed, I mean, took him out, you know. Well, David was angry at God for that. And he was so angry at God for that, that he became afraid of God. And I believe what happened, because we all, I mean, anybody that has any, uh, you know, experience or knowledge of who King David is and his relationship with the Lord you know, David was a man after God's own heart. And that's what King David was is known for, you know. Now he's also known for, you know, committing adultery and murder and all of these all of these other things, but it it, it showed for me in that passage that David got angry at God and that he was he became afraid of God. But I believe that God used that experience in David's life um, to strengthen David's faith, to strengthen David's trust, to strengthen David's uh, character as a as a leader. Um, although it was not a pleasant experience for him to go through and to see that that happened, it was something where God used it um, in David's life to develop David as a man after God's own heart. And, and so, you know, in this case with, with you, uh, I see the same thing, you know, I see the same thing. I see that God has used this 
to develop you as a as a spiritual leader to impact the lives of students right here at Westminster Christian Academy uh, through your ministry of teaching the Bible and not but it but your your ministry is more than just teaching the Bible um, it, it's way more and the first time that I had the pleasure of meeting you and I got back in the vehicle after meeting you and I told Lisa, I said, I don't know why exactly, but that was the most joyful person I have ever met in my entire life. And, you know, here you are, you can't walk, you know, um, you have limited mobility with your arms um, and you're, you're in a wheelchair and you have to have people to help you, you know, get to where you need to go. But the joy that you have is just absolutely infectious. And, and it's one of those things like I, I could be around Jerry Ediger all day long. I, I mean, he's the kind of guy that I want to be around like all day long. And it's just simply because of your joy. And for me, man, I, I just want to tell you how, how grateful I am of the joy that you have. It is obvious that the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's clear. Yes. There is, there is absolutely zero doubt that the joy of the Lord is your strength and that his joy is in you and that your joy it has not only been made full, but it stays full. And, and it is, for me, man, I just, I, I'm speechless even when I think about your joy. I really am. It's such an encouragement. Well, I appreciate it. There is certainly, don't you think, an inexpressible and glorious joy that does come with knowing the Lord Jesus and is available to us continually. Yes. And, and my yes. struggle, Spence, imagine it's all of our struggle, is that I I uh, don't do well at living by faith and I live by sight sometimes. And certainly our joy is never going to be, is not going to come from our circumstances because every day's got hard circumstances. Every day. Every day's hard. Yeah. Every day's going to have hard I, circumstances. And and if your joy is in the circumstances, man, that's going to be an up and down life. Yes, sir. No, I'm convinced you're right. And so I know that my joy wanes in equal proportion to when my eyes are on myself wow. and not on you, and my eyes are on the temporary and not the eternal. Mm. If my eyes are on the eternal and they're on Jesus, then there's nothing but joy to be had. Man, that's so if good. Now, I'm afraid if they're on me, which they are too often, and they're on the temporal or just all the circumstances in our life, then, uh, boy, the joy goes south in a hurry, doesn't it? It I can. Mean, I think that's... Yeah, we all experience that. And 
but I but I'm so grateful that I don't think that's necessary. I mean, I think I heard the other day, maybe two days ago, it might have been by Piper, um, that really we can experience as much of the Lord as we want to if we'll just meditate on his word, be in prayer, you know, think about him continually, set our eyes on things above, do what the word commands us to do. And because he's not trying to ever uh, lessen, you know, our relationship with him. I think our fellowship with him, the greater uh, that is or the more consistent it is, the more joy we're going to have. That's so good. That is so good. And so, I mean, and for people that are listening to this, if you could be in my seat right here and knowing who Jerry is now, now he and I are not face to face. We're talking by phone, but you would be face to face with a, a man in a chair that he's bound to. And to, and to hear a person say that knowing the things that he's gone through, um, it would, abs- it, it would blow you away. But, Take it from Jerry, take that those words about joy that if we fix our eyes on the circumstances, if we fix our eyes on the external things, then it will wane. But when our eyes are fixed on the eternal and our eyes are fixed on the the joy of the Lord, that's our strength. That's our hope. That's our peace. And he calls us to fix our eyes on him. So, man, that's so, that is so good. It really is. So, Jerry, there are, um, there are some men in your life who uh, really have sacrificed. They, they continue to sacrifice their time to help you um, in in with the needs that that you have physically um can you talk a little bit about those men uh if you want to name them that's i mean you know that it's up that's up to you um but can you talk about who those men are how they help you and and the bond that you guys share um as as men and as brothers Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate you bringing those guys up. That's been an, a, an incredible blessing. There's no doubt. I would have to start with my wife of almost 24 years okay. that uh, at when I when she certainly did the math and realized kind of what she was walking into when she became the wife of a quadriplegic and yet still determined that that was a ministry that she felt called to wow. and that she would to love me despite all my uh, weaknesses and failures and and uh, and issues for sure and she has been incredible and I I often say she has to do everything that a normal wife would have to do but then she also has to do all the things let's say around the house that I can't do whether you know whatever mowing the lawn you know vacuuming once in a while doing 
things that I was fixing stuff, just stuff that, that, you know, fathers and, and husbands do. But then she also has to help me continually. You know, now for almost 24 years, she's helped me get to bed every night. The Lord's given her uh, the ability to lift me um, into bed. She has just great lifting techniques to where she has had some sore backs for sure. But the Lord's given her that kind of strength physically. But I just think, you know, you add up all of those hours of doing that day in and day out. And in that way, I'm really like an infant that requires that much work to just be functional. And so, and she does this day in and day out, never complaining, never telling anybody. She's a behind the scenes servant who is incredible in how she serves and how she's not, I would think it'd be tempting to be bitter about something like that, but she's not. She's uh, incredible in how she goes about this. And, uh, and I'm just very overwhelmed and thankful um, for how she uh, does that and just day in and day out. And it's, just, it's, it's incredible. I don't know how to really explain that. Um, and then certainly... Um, once we had Ben, uh, and he has been similar to my wife, he's almost 18, um, and he's been obviously asked to do all kinds of stuff for me. And um, his standard answer, and uh, I wish everybody listening could, could meet the young man, his standard answer is just sure when I ask him to do about anything. And I know he doesn't always want to. But he's just so faithful in the way he serves. He just says, sure. And he just does whatever I need, which is, you know, countless little things um, in, in sort of the life of the quadriplegic. And then my daughter, Mags, is uh, 13. And again, just faithful in the way she uh, helps, the way she goes about it. And so, I mean, I can't, I would be amiss to just not mention how gracious God's been. Certainly he's used his word, but he uses his people. And in this case, uh, the three members of my immediate family, my wife and my two uh, incredible kids. Um, and so uh, when Ben was born, Amy had gotten me up every morning for those first six years and put me to bed and worked as she was a teacher. And so you just say, what kind of, a, you know, how, how, how does she get all that done and no one will ever know? Well, you talk about rewards in heaven. That she is going to have some sort of great rewards in heaven, and I can't wait to see them. She's going to uh, have a separate. Well. She's going to have a separate mansion, like just for the rewards. Oh, and I can't wait to see it, but just because she does it so behind the scenes, and no one even can begin to know mm-hmm. uh, what she, what she does, and she doesn't want anybody to know. And she might be unhappy that I told people here on, on your podcast. But anyhow, that these guys, it was going to be a deal now with Ben that she needed to take care of Ben. And so Mike Osborne, and I'll mention Mike by name just because he was the, the spearheaded this whole deal. Um, I called him, who works for FCA, and said, hey, do you have any guys that work for FCA? I can't really pay him very much. But guys that uh, are going to your FCA group that would be able to come over really early in the morning, kind of a thankless job, 
maybe can give them a few dollars. It wouldn't be much, but it might be a little bit of a part-time drive for somebody. And I remember where I was, Spencer, sitting in the driveway where he called back, I think, three days later. And he said, you know what, Gary, I think I would like to do And I think I met Mike once or twice. He said, I think I would like to do that. And so sure enough, for the next three years, Spencer, this is a crazy thing. For the next three years, six days a week, he would come get me out of bed every day for at five o'clock so I could get to work. He would come get me up and, um, and it was an incredible ministry. And so, um, in that first summer he had to go, uh, do some other things. He may have needed to go to Florida and there were three of his buddies that also, um, decided to help out. And so, I've had, for the last 18 years, Mike Osborne, I think I thought about it the other day, who's maybe come over to our house possibly 1,500 times. Wow. Um, if, I'm, if I'm doing the math right, and I, I should have figured that up before. I think, that, I think that's about right. And then these other guys have come over at least once a week for 17 years. Mike's been almost 18 three other guys have been almost 17 and uh so the same guy comes every friday every tuesday every wednesday and uh and we get a chance to they have to help me get in the shower go to the bathroom um get me dressed we get a chance to pray together laugh together hold each other accountable and i'm telling you spencer if I was able to walk again today, I feel I feel sorry for you guys that have to get up by yourself, kind of, mm -hmm. because it is such a joy to see these guys every morning, and their ministry is so incredible. You know, you think of the four of them, they have 70 years worth of uh, coming over, uh, you know, once a week, which is which is just incredible to think about. They all drive over to our house and just traipse on in and help me and go home and they don't get any money. They don't get any pats on the back. But uh, once again, they'll have huge rewards in heaven. Mm. So now I have seven guys that uh, um, faithfully serve me on each day of the week. Amy still helps me on Sunday, but the other six uh, days, um, somebody comes over just again with no fanfare, uh, we get to spend time together. It's a great joy of uh, being discipled by those guys and physically and, you know, spiritually as well. So wow. I can't even to talk about the, and, and you know, Spencer, I had 39 years ago. Uh, I would have never even thought that the Lord would do something like that, that gracious to where there would be those kind of friendships and where they wouldn't accept any money or they're not doing it for any other reason except they love the Lord deeply and they want to serve him. And uh, kind of like we were growing up with mom, I guess, we were pretty servable and man, nobody needs more, nobody's more needy than I am and these guys just supply that. So I wish I... I feel like I gave that about one-tenth of the justice that it deserves. Mm. Mm.
it reminds me of you know that passage in the in the scripture where it talks about God's eye is on the sparrow. Yeah. And and it is. His eyes on the sparrow. And you know, you of all people have every right and every excuse uh, that somebody could come up with to worry about what do I do next. But the opposite um, is is what is true in your life, and that is that you, even though you physically can't walk, you walk by faith. And and in that walk, um, God has provided an incredible wife. God has provided an, two incredible kids. He's provided incredible people who, yeah, they love the Lord, but they love you. And, and... You know, greater love has no man than this, than he who would lay down his life for his friends. Yeah. And you get to be the beneficiary of some incredible love, you know. Now, those guys would be like, no, we're the beneficiaries. We're the beneficiaries of the love that, that Jerry gives to us. And they would be the ones that um, that would say that. And, uh, man, I, again, I'm blown away by that. Um, it's, it is a, it is, it is a kind of love that you just, you just don't hear about much, you know, you just don't hear about it much. People are so wrapped up in themselves uh, yeah, you know, they're so wrapped right, up in themselves yeah. that they can't even stop and give that kind of love. Uh, they can't even much less receive it, you know. Um, so it, man, what just an, it's just a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture of God's grace and His love and His faithfulness in 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 your life and in your family's life and i'm so grateful that we've had the chance today to really hear a little bit about jerry ediger and um and your relationship with the lord your relationship with with people um and and especially you know your family too so uh thank you for taking the time to just kind of unpack a little bit of your story. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Spencer. I tell you what, I, I think it was uh, one commentator said, if we really believed one-tenth of what we said we believed, we'd be ten times more excited about it. <laughs> and I think I think that's the case when I talk about these things. I don't feel like I do them justice to how good God's been and how he's used his people and how he's used his word and then just the countless people that I did name that I should have, that he will faithfully 
and uh, lavishly pour his uh, blessings on someday in heaven. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for your ministry. And thank you so much for just a, a, a reminder today of um, how faithful and gracious and loving our, our Father is. He certainly has lavished it on us um, just with one blessing after another. And I, I sure appreciate you and your ministry, Spencer. Well, thank you, Jerry. Hey, one, one last thing. If anybody wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to connect with Jerry Edgar? Yeah, no, I'd love to uh, interact with whoever. Um, probably Jay Edgar at WCA Lions, like the animal. Yep. Uh, that's my email. Uh, J-E-D-I-G-E-R at WCALIONS.org. And, uh, yeah, I would love to, to be able to interact with you, whoever, and um, if there's any way that we could – help anybody out would love an opportunity to do that. Um, uh, certainly I'm way behind in, in helping people in the way in, in compared to the number of people that help me. So, um, no, yeah, don't go out. there, man. Don't go there on the, on, on the comparison deal because, uh, what you do for people, um, what you do for students, what you do for people like me, um, you, you bring joy. You are a, you bring joy and, and you, you lift, you lift my soul. And I know that you lift the souls of a lot of different people, a lot of people. So I'm grateful for you and I love you. Thank you. Love you, Spencer. Thanks for everything. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening in to the Court of Three podcast today. I hope and I pray that the conversation with Jerry has been something that has encouraged you, has blown you away, has helped to give you joy and faith in the midst of your own trials, your own struggles that you've gone through, and that you could borrow just a little bit of Jerry's joy and his faith to be something that helps get you through the next day, the next moment, the next minute, the next second of your life. Listen, if you could do us a favor, leave us a review, send us an email, let us know how we can pray for you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Or maybe there's a struggle that you're facing that you just need to reach out to somebody. Well, we'll have our ways of connecting with us on Instagram and our email in the show notes. But thank you so much for listening in. Have a great day. God bless.